Attention all grown-up stuff shoppers, the store is now open. Do you remember the very first time you went grocery shopping by yourself without the guidance of a more experienced adult? My first solo supermarket trip, it was to a grocery store chain called Meyer in the middle of Ohio. I was a freshman in college, living in the dorms, and relying mostly on the cafeteria for food. So I needed a very small amount of things to just squirrel away as snacks or breakfast in my mini fridge or closet for when I didn't have the time to stop at the cafeteria. It should have been a fairly straightforward experience, except for the fact that I was completely overwhelmed. And I just remember thinking, how do people know which brands to buy or what all these various labels mean? And according to Nielsen IQ and the Food Industry Association, the single store carries an average of more than 31,000 products. It's a paradox of choice, which is also the name of a book by Barry Schwartz about the anxiety that all of this choice causes consumers. I hear you, Barry. Decision fatigue is real. So how can we better understand and dissect the grocery shopping experience while arming ourselves with the knowledge needed to make the best decisions for our health, our wallet, and potentially the planet? How can we beat the supermarket slump and become champions of our carts? Also, if someone can explain the difference between cage-free and free-range eggs to me, that would be super helpful. Start taking notes because this is Grown Up Stuff. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to the season finale of Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult, the podcast where we glow up and grow up a little more each episode as we learn about things like nutritional labels and why you should buy frozen fish instead. I am your host and self-identified impulse buyer, Molly, and I am joined in person by my jolly and learned co-host, Matt Stillo. Matt, happy holidays to you. Oh, holidays. Tis the season of gift giving and... I came over to your apartment and I gave you a gift. We Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Because you got me a gift and I had to, I, I can't be given a gift and did, not give a it gift. It was back. also your birthday gift because you are a Christmas December baby. So it was a birthday this gift. Is true. Can you believe that this is 
the last episode of oh. our first season, our saison finale, as the French would say. Ooh, c'est magnifique. Tis the season when many of us will spend a lot of time at grocery stores and supermarkets, either buying ingredients for parties we're hosting or at the very least grabbing box treats and bottled beverages to bring as hosting gifts to the holiday parties that we're going to be attending. Matt, let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy grocery shopping? And then follow up, how often do you go and do you make a list each time? And do you check it twice? It's been a learning process. It's a lifelong learning. And I have come to love the grocery shopping. Uh, I think I evolved from going when I was hungry and grabbing uh, any cookies and cakes and pies uh. that I would stumble across on my way through the grocery store to working all the time and not going grocery shopping and convincing myself. I was like, well, when I try to meal prep, I, I, I never actually end up eating any of it. And I waste all this food. And then I end up buying takeout anyway. So I might as well just cut my losses, only order takeout and save money that way. Also wrong, had to learn this the hard way. And the important thing that I finally learned is that you have to have a plan. You have to think about what you want to eat ahead of time. Think about the schedule for the week that you are buying for. Are you going out with friends? Are you doing something on Wednesday? That's you never a know. Really good point. So yeah. I put together a couple of meals and then I'll plan out dinners. And so I go, what do I need for this? What do I need for that? And so on the day that Wednesday comes and I need to have my chicken tikka masala with broccoli and rice, I have all the things that I need for that. <laughs> Which that is what you made last night. You were telling me. That's exactly like, what I made last night. Damn, it was that absolutely good. fantastic. So yes, it has been a big evolution. But yes, grocery shopping is very important. And if you have a plan, it can be very, very efficient and save you a lot of time and money. I have to say mine is like yours. I have had an evolution of experience with grocery stores. But yeah, I'm so glad that we're talking about groceries because obviously, Matt... That is the topic of conversation. We're going to dig into it more and figure out what we're doing right and wrong. And to help us make sense of it all, we've invited the supermarket guru, Phil Lempert. For more than 25 years, Phil has been an expert and analyst on consumer behavior, marketing trends, new products, and the changing retail landscape. He's been the food trends editor for NBC's Today Show since 1991, and today he hosts a radio show known as The Lempert Report and a podcast called Lost in the Supermarket, where he discusses food news, consumer insight trends, product reviews, and more. Phil, welcome to Grown Up Stuff. Thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to dig in to all things grocery store navigating. Well, thank you, Molly. Um, you know, it's apropos because I haven't grown up yet. <laughs> Neither have we. So I want to say that in the supermarket, I might be an adult, but other than that, not even close. Oh, you're in good company, my friend. You're in good company. I want to start off with in this day and age of the Instacart, the Fresh Direct, the Amazon, you know, grocery. The not having to leave your house. Is it at least occasionally important to still go to a grocery store in person? Absolutely. And to be honest with you, when we look at the history of grocery stores, it's really been the center of communities. And yes, during the pandemic, a lot of people went to Instacart and to Shift and to some of the other delivery services. For a certain percentage of the population, it's important. There are people who can't leave their home physically. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's great for that. But when we look at the numbers, it has dropped considerably since the pandemic. 
Mm. You're paying a delivery fee or an annual membership. You are tipping. You can't use coupons. Mm -hmm. The number one complaint of shoppers on Instacart is the quality of produce. Mm -hmm. The number two is meat. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to pick those things. So it's important that supermarkets thrive. It's important that they really redefine themselves to meet our needs as, as shoppers today. And that's a hybrid model that we can talk about. But we love our supermarkets and we love our food. So don't take that away from us. For many of our listeners, uh, the grocery store environment can be kind of overwhelming. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of items. What sort of strategies or mindsets do you recommend to arm ourselves with to make it feel more manageable in the grocery store? So the first thing you want to do, and I'm talking about two things. One is saving money, because that's something that all of us are concerned about. And number two is getting the foods that you want. So the first thing you want to do is you want to create your shopping list based on your last week's cash register receipt. Oh. So if you look at your cash register receipt, it lists every product that you bought by name. So that's where you start. You take that shopping list and you take inventory of your cupboards, of your freezer, of your refrigerator. And the reason it's important to take inventory is a lot of people forget what they've got in their cupboard. So take inventory, number one. Mm. That way you cross off physically those items that you've got on your shopping list. Then what you do is you look at what other items you might want to have. You add that to your shopping list. Then what you do is you draw three horizontal lines, blank lines at the bottom of your shopping list. We'll get to that in a second. So now you're going to the store. What you don't want to do is you don't want to walk into the produce department. The stores are designed for you to walk into the produce department. Mm -hmm. That's because that's aromatherapy. All those great colors, all those great aromas, that puts you in a great mood. And when you're in a great mood in the store, guess what? You're going to spend more. You're going to spend more time in the store. You're going to buy more impulse items. So you go into that unemotional part of the store where they boxes and the cans and, you know, the jars are there, those brand names that you can't stand. Well, <laughs> that's where you start your shopping experience. Then from there, go into produce. Then from there, go into refrigerated. Then from there, go into frozen. Part of it also has to do with, frankly, good food safety techniques. Mm. You don't want to shop for dairy and leave it in your cart for 45 minutes before you leave, and then it sits in your car for maybe 15 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, depending on where you live in the country. Now, Understand that as you're going through the aisles, the store has designed them to get you to buy more. So the end of the aisle, that big display that you see doesn't mean it's on sale. It means it's a big display. Mm. So what you always want to do, in fact, studies show that only about 40% of the time are those products actually on sale. You want to look at the sign with the price. If it's on sale, it'll say, save a dollar, save 50 cents, whatever. If it doesn't say that, guess what? It's not on sale. So then we get to those three horizontal lines. We all want to feel good. You know, the rule of thumb when you go shopping is never go shopping when you're hungry, cranky, in a good mood or in a bad mood. 
because you're going to spend more. So important. <laughs> exactly. So those three horizontal lines are designed to reward yourself. Oh, I like rewards. So you might want some chocolate. You might want, you know, some ice cream, whatever it is, indulge, enjoy, but limit it to three items. Oh. That way, you're actually going to have a great shopping experience. You're going to get what you want and you're not going to overspend. It's the carrot at the end of the stick. And again, shop around. If you like seafood, and I happen to love seafood, I never buy it in the fresh seafood department. And if you look carefully at those signs, it'll say previously frozen next to the salmon, all shrimp in this country, unless you're catching it yourself or you live in New Orleans, is frozen. It says previously frozen on it. Mm. Go to the frozen food case. And here's why. In the frozen food case, that fish, not only is it 40% cheaper, but also it's been frozen once on the boat. So if you're buying fresh fish in the fresh fish department, what happens is it comes off the boat. It goes to a distributor who defrosts it. They put it on ice. It goes to the supermarket where, again, it's put on ice. It says previously frozen on the tag. It doesn't have the same texture, but it's pretty. <laughs> love yeah. pretty. I, I Go do. to the frozen yeah. food case. Forget the pretty. Save <laughs> the money and get better taste and better nutrients. One thing that my wife and I have started doing, which has actually been really, really huge, is like we have like a weekly planner. So we're at the grocery store and we're looking at our planner and going, oh, wait, on Wednesday, we're having dinner with our friends. So actually, we don't even need to plan a meal for Wednesday. Well, Matt, you're bringing up a really important point about waste. You know, 40% of all of our food in this country is wasted, number one. So one of the best ways to save money and to help the environment is don't waste food. So what you want to do, you're not going to a store that has those stupid misters. Mm -hmm. You know, when you walk down the aisle, the little spray comes out. What some of the stores have is they actually have thunder and lights, Yes, you know, to, to show you. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Which I used to enjoy that experience, but you're telling me it's bad. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Here's why. Number one, the next time you're in a store that has it, crook your head and look at the nozzle. Those nozzles are never cleaned. Oh. And most part of the nation, when it comes to our water supply, is horrible. High levels right. of calcium and mm. other things, those chalk up on those little nozzles. So you're spraying that stuff on your produce. Number two is water doesn't inhibit good growth of produce once it's picked. When it's in the field, absolutely. But when it's sitting in a supermarket refrigeration case, it actually denigrates the product quicker. Huh. Now, that's not only from freshness, but a nutrition standpoint. And then third, if you're buying some produce that is done by weight, you're paying for water. So mm. if, in fact, you're going into one of those stores that has it, make sure that you shake off that water off, off those leafy greens yeah. also to keep it fresher longer. And if you do have that, wrap it in a paper towel before you put it in your crisper. That way it will absorb any of that extra moisture. Do you have recommendations for the best days and times of the week for us to go to the grocery store? Sure. Number one is keep in mind that now, because of technology, grocery stores get delivery 
every day of the week. Oh, okay. It's not the way it used to be where they got a truck on Mondays and then they unloaded. Right. So as far as what's on the shelves, no, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, Most stores either do their circulars Wednesdays or Thursdays. Mm. Those used to be called in the newspaper business best food day. So that's when products go on sale. Okay. So what you want to do is you don't have to rely on those paper circulars anymore. Just go online to the website and then you could see what's on sale. And the best time to go shopping is when it's not crowded. And the reason for that is psychological. If you can relax when you're shopping, you're not going to buy impulse items. You're not going to rush through. You're going to read those ingredients. You're going to compare different products. You're going to look at prices. You're going to spend the time. You want to go into the store not harried and hassled because then you're going to spend more and it's not going to be a great shopping experience. Too often, food has become a commodity in our lives where we just buy the same stuff, we fill our bellies, and we don't, you know, savor the tastes. So let's not rush that process. Let's enjoy it so that we can make intelligent decisions and savor our foods. Phil, I'm curious to hear your take on couponing and um, grocery store discounts, promotions. What are the best ways that we can save money as consumers when going to the grocery store? So let me start with frequent shopper cards. Yes. That's number one. That's going to be your big saving. Go online to the store that you like and shop around to different stores to see what their specials are. Um, Coupons used to be terrific. When you looked at the newspaper on Best Food Day or you look at the Vlasis or News America color inserts in the newspaper, they were chock full of food coupons. Mm -hmm. Not so much anymore. One of the best ways to get food coupons is call the 800 number on every package on the products that you like. Call them up. And yes, you might have to wait two or three minutes, but just say, you know, I really like your product. I'm wondering if you could send me some coupons. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Beware of these scams that are out there where you buy coupons and there's a lot of them online. They say, you know, buy a subscription and we'll give you coupons. All that they're doing is they're, you know, scanning the Internet and giving you coupons that are already out there. So you should never pay for coupons, number one. Yes, use coupons, but a lot of those coupons are going to be on the frequent shopper cards as well as online for that retailer. I love the frequent shopper cards thing. I think I yeah. save about five bucks every time I go to my local grocery store because I'm on theirs. And uh, over a lifetime, I mean, that's a lot of saved money. Absolutely. So I only go to the grocery store once a week or I only go once every two weeks. But another way to go about it is to go grocery shopping more often. Do you have a recommended way for what people should do? Is one better than the other? So if you can, and that depends on where you live, but if you can, the best rule of thumb is to go shopping every day. If, in fact, you're just shopping for a day or two days, you're going to be more thoughtful about the foods that you buy. You're going to buy fresher foods. You're going to buy foods Again, back to the produce that has more nutrients because it's not sitting in your refrigerator for a week or two weeks. Once food hits your refrigerator, it starts to denigrate. 
You know, we think that cold is a preservative in some ways, yes, but not when it comes to nutrients or flavor or taste. Mm. Think about when you buy blueberries at a farmer's market and you taste one, you go, wow, you know, that's bursting with flavor. Buy a refrigerated supermarket blueberry, taste it when you get home, and then taste it a week or two weeks later, it's flavorless. Mm. And that's reflective of the nutrient value and antioxidant value as well. So the more you can shop more often, the better. I want to read a quote from a New York Times article, and it says, For years, food companies and restaurants generally raised prices in small steps, worried that big increases would frighten consumers and send them looking for cheaper options. But over the last year, as wages increased and the cost of raw ingredients used to make treats like cookies, chips, sodas, and the materials to package them soared, food companies and restaurants started passing along these expenses to customers. So I want to kind of talk about that. And how can we figure out how to get the most for our money? Let's assume we have time in our schedule to do weekly shopping trips. How can we make sure we're not wasting food? And what's the most important way to use all of our food, the food up that we buy? And do you have any like good hodgepodge recipes for like, all right, this is what I've got. What do I make out of this kind of a thing? So let me start with the New York Times quote Mm -hmm. and your point. We have seen unprecedented price increases from food companies. Let's remember that grocery retailers work on a margin of about one to one and a half percent. So when we go into the grocery store and we see high prices, we blame the grocery store. Hmm. They're not to blame. The food companies are to blame. Yes, during the pandemic, because of the supply chain issues, a lot was exposed where For example, one of the reasons that we didn't have toilet paper during the early stages of the pandemic is those factories that made toilet paper were not designed for social distancing. They were designed for people, whether it's toilet paper or chicken processing or meat processing, to work shoulder to shoulder. And that wasn't possible. So that's why those lines weren't as productive. So, yes, we had issues with labor increases. We've had raw material increases because of everything from climate change to the war in Ukraine and Russia, which has stopped wheat and oils from being uh, sent both here to the U.S. as well as globally. So as a result of all that, yes, there's price increases. However, I spend a lot of time on these calls from a lot of these major CPG companies that talk about price increases, a lot of the soda companies in particular, who basically are saying, we're going to take three, four, five, six price increases a year, not because of raw material cost. We had that bump, but because consumers will pay those prices. And that's not fair. We're also seeing something called slack fill and shrinkflation, where what we're seeing is we're seeing less products in the bag. So what we have to do when we see these products is, frankly, we have to look at store brands, we have to look at alternatives and send a message to these companies that we're just not going to take these price increases. We're also seeing supermarkets and supermarket buyers and CEOs go to these brands and saying, hey, we're just not going to accept price increases. 
We're here to help our shoppers. We want to see justification for these price increases. The supply chain has been fixed. We have oil prices down. We've made major advances in efficiencies in these food companies. Prices haven't gone down. So what we should do is buy store brands. Store brands have a money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, bring the unused portion back. Look at the ingredients and the nutritional information on store brands. If they're identical, what that means is probably the name brand is making that product for the store under their label. Read the ingredients and nutritional information carefully so you know what you're getting. Look at alternatives. And to your point, Molly, don't waste. There's so much stuff that you could put in your freezer, but always take a Sharpie and put the date that you froze it because after about three months, You're going to lose flavor. You're going to lose nutrients and just store foods properly. And when it comes to storing foods properly, you know, I feel like a lot of people make mistakes on this front. So I'm curious to hear what are some of your biggest tips to do that? Like, I think one thing that I've really learned is that like, if I put bread in the fridge, it actually lasts a lot longer. It doesn't go moldy nearly as quick. Are there things like that that people can do to make food last longer? Absolutely. And bread is a perfect example. And especially if you're buying either organic or whole grain breads, sprouted breads, put those in the refrigerator. Uh, Store things properly. Use Ziploc bags. Even when I put things in the refrigerator, I'm using the frozen Ziploc bags because they're thicker plastic. Use plastic containers to put it in. Make sure that when you put things in the refrigerator or freezer that you pull as much air out of that plastic as you can Mm -hmm. because air will capture moisture, and again, further denigrate. Never put coffee in the refrigerator or freezer. That's a big no-no. Because when you think about how coffee is produced, coffee is produced by adding water to it. So if you're in the refrigerator or freezer, there's water there, there's moisture. So again, it's going to denigrate the flavor of those coffee beans if you're putting it in there. This reminds me of an age-old debate we used to have in my family, and that is, do you store ketchup in the fridge or in the cupboard after it's been open? Our thought process was, well, restaurants are leaving their ketchup bottles out on tables all day and night, so the cupboard is okay, right? No one ever got sick from the cupboard-stored ketchup of my childhood. But then there was a visit from college friends who pointed out the refrigerate-after-opening label on the bottle. And since then, we've been a label-abiding, ketchup-in-the-fridge family. Here are a few other recommendations about the best ways to store your food safely and to avoid waste. Check the temperature of your appliances. The FDA recommends keeping your fridge at or below 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and your freezer should be at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Don't store your eggs or milk or other dairy products in the door of your refrigerator that area tends to be a warmer temp than the rest of the fridge. Instead, use that door storage for the more resilient items like condiments and seltzer. Real Simple Magazine recommends that if possible, you should keep your fruits and veggies separate from one another. They all emit different gases, which may impact the way the others deteriorate. Real Simple also says to leave your produce unwashed and in its original packaging in the refrigerator. This goes for pretty much all produce with a few exceptions like mushrooms and herbs. 
apples can hang out a few days at room temperature. After that, they'll last a little bit longer in the crisper drawer of your fridge. Never store your tomatoes in the fridge. The cold zaps the flavor out of them and changes the texture for the worse. Eggplants are also better off left at room temperature and out of direct sunlight. Store meat in the coldest spot in the fridge, in the back on the bottom shelf. And finally, according to the FDA, use-by dates are prescribed by the manufacturer as a recommendation for best flavor and quality of the product. That date is not a food safety date. Use your best judgment. If it doesn't look good, throw it out. That being said, baby food and formula are the exception, as those use-by dates are food safety dates. We'll be right back with more grown-up stuff, how to adult, after a quick break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back with more grown-up stuff, how to adults. I want to talk about what is worth the extra money to buy organic and what we should just be buying that's more traditionally raised or or grown? So the first question we have to ask is, why do you want to buy organic? Mm. Number one is for those people, and this is the answer that I hear most times when I ask the question, most people think that organics contain no pesticides. Right. That's not true. Ah. Um, there are over 100 pesticides that can be used with organics. So if you're buying organics to avoid all pesticides, stop fooling yourself. Mm -hmm. When it comes to produce, and I buy certain organic produce, my rule of thumb is if it has a thick skin on it, Mm -hmm. any residue of pesticides and the like are not going to get through it. So I would not buy organic oranges, for example. I do buy organic blueberries and raspberries. If you're buying organic because you care about the environment and agriculture processes, 
Yes, do it. But there are certain labels that are out there that are misleading. If you're buying cage-free eggs because you think that these chickens are happy-go-lucky chickens running around, you're paying a buck extra for a dozen eggs and throwing your money out. Mm -hmm. Because all that the cage-free regulation is, is that the chickens have one foot to turn around. That's it. If you're looking to do good things with your eggs, then what you want to do is you want to buy free range eggs, and that's even more expensive. Mm -hmm. So you really have to figure out, why do I want to buy these things? Study after study has proven that there's no nutritional difference between organics and non-organics. When I look at produce, I happen to really like and buy personally, whether it's organics that are grown hydroponically, oh. uh, Bowery Farms, Plenty. Those brands are vertical farms that use no pesticides. It's a controlled environment. It's organic. They are at parity with the price of organic, and they're much better product, much fresher products, and much less impact on the environment. Also, let's not forget with climate change, we're seeing a lot more pests a lot more diseases right. in our agriculture than ever before. So we've got to move to more controlled environments to protect the food safety aspect of our foods, the nutrients, and the freshness of our foods, and making it affordable for us. Phil makes a good point. If you're trying to decide between organic and conventional, first consider why you want to buy organic in the first place. Many doctors and food experts have a list of produce that they refer to as the dirty dozen, for which they recommend purchasing organically grown versions. Most of which are those thin-skinned fruits and vegetables Phil mentioned. The Environmental Working Group identified the following as the latest list of susceptible produce to pesticide residue. Strawberries, spinach, kale, collard, and mustard greens. Peaches. Pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell and hot peppers, cherries, blueberries, and green beans. If your motivation for organic is more about environmental impact, you may also want to consider buying local so that there's a lower carbon footprint to get your food to you, or products from vertical farming, which reduces water usage. I think the important thing is to, to be skeptical. Like one yeah. uh, other gimmick is like around Thanksgiving, you see all these turkeys that go, oh, not treated with hormones. Well, it's illegal to treat turkeys with hormones. So it's basically saying like not treated with poison. Exactly. Like, yeah, duh. So I think if people are looking into buying something because it has a label on it, just look into that label, look into what it means, always be skeptical and make sure you know exactly why you want to buy it. Matt, you're right. And, and it's not only turkeys, but chicken as well. Yeah. Hormones are, are not allowed. I didn't know this. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Not every label is truthful. There is no federal regulation for the words all natural. So anybody can put all natural on a product. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So we just have to be smart. Read the ingredients. Read the nutritional information. Turn around that package. Read what's on it. There are lots of different claims on food labels, and they can all feel like they're saying the same thing, but mean something very different. For example, that classic green USDA organic label on a product with multiple ingredients, that just means at least 95% of those ingredients are certified organic. 
the 100% organic label is reserved for products like produce, eggs, fruit, meat, or other single-ingredient items. It can be used on multi-ingredient items if all the ingredients are certified organic. Made with organic means at least 70% of those ingredients are certified organic. And just the label organic ingredients? Well, that means that less than 70% of the ingredients in that product are certified organic. It's also important to note that all natural or natural does not indicate organic, and the two are separate. Natural just means it's naturally occurring, like an egg. Of course it's natural. It comes out of an animal naturally. One area of labeling I've been struggling a lot with these days is in the egg category. I've been searching for delicious eggs with deep, rich orange yolks ever since my trip to the UK this fall. And I've been trying to decipher which labels on the cartons equate to a fresher tasting and healthier looking egg. Here's what I found. According to Consumer Reports, pasture raised has no real meaning. However, if the eggs have certified humane or American humane certified labels, that means the chickens have access to a pasture with space to do things like pecking for seeds and bugs. Similarly, farm fresh doesn't mean anything either. As Consumer Reports puts it, the farm these eggs are coming from could be a big building down the street where the chickens are packed into cages. Free range means the birds are cage free and must have access to the outdoors, but that can still mean they're packed in pretty tightly, both indoors and outdoors. A combo of free range with that certified humane or American humane certified labels means the birds have ample room to roam outdoors though. And as Matt and Phil have noted, anything that claims to be hormone free, congrats, they're simply advertising that they're following what is legally required of them to raise meat and eggs for consumption. Both Matt and I very recently spent a lot of time in the UK and the EU. Um, they do things a little bit differently in their grocery stores. They don't refrigerate their eggs or their butter. And why do we do that here? Well, in America, we believe that anything refrigerated is better. Mm. You know, so it starts there. Also, back to our earlier conversation, people shop daily in the UK and in the EU. So their turnover is faster. When you go into the produce department here, we see huge bins of apples, right. for example. Those apples are there for display. Most apples in the country have been picked about a year, year and a half before they get to the supermarket. They're in cold storage. So when we go in and we see these bright red apples or yellow apples or green apples, you know, they're not fresh. Mm -hmm. They've been around for a while. But the stores in Europe have smaller displays and they have more turnover. So the eggs don't need to be refrigerated. Mm -hmm. I've got a farmer's market around the corner from me every Sunday and they're selling eggs not in refrigeration. And they're the best tasting eggs, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've ever had. Yeah. We've got to get past this mentality mentality of food lasting forever. I would call it the Twinkie effect, you know, that what we need is mm -hmm. we need to have products that have a shelf life of 100 years on it. No, we don't. Yeah. We don't need that. We right. don't want that. 
we've got to clean up our act. And the good news is um, I live in California, and California is passing laws and regulations to avoid yeah. um, putting a lot of these preservatives and colorings into our food supply. And because California is the number one state in the nation as it relates to population and economy— what you're going to see is you're going to see these food companies change their formulas because they're not going to have a formula for California, for Skittles, for example, and Mm -hmm. a different one for New York. They're going to follow suit and follow the regulations that California has. And we've seen it. You know, California, Berkeley, California started the ban on plastic bags, and now it's throughout lots of, of the nation. Yeah. So what starts here in California goes to the rest of the country. Thank yeah. you, California. You're welcome. Yeah, and uh, and I'm so glad you mentioned that California ban because, yeah, it, this is very recent and it's kind of also started a conversation on what other ingredients should we be looking out for? Oh, I'd also love to plug Yucca. Do, are you into Yucca, Phil, that app? Yes, yes. So that's a great app that you can download it. You can take it to the grocery store. You can scan different products and it will tell you on a scale from zero to 100, how healthy that product is based on the ingredients in it. And I actually found out a lot of things in my house that have dangerous carcinogenic ingredients in them. And it also does like uh, skin products and shampoos and stuff like that too. So that's another, I would highly recommend people download that app. Mm -hmm. You will end up changing everything that you use in your house (laughs) as a result of it, but it's pretty amazing. And Two other points. The other app that you might want to look at is How Good uh, from an environmental standpoint. That's a great one as well. Just to be fair and to be honest, nutrition science and and science evolves. Mm -hmm. So when we take a look at a lot of the preservatives or additives that were approved in the 1950s, we didn't have the science and the technology to really look at how harmful they could have been when they were approved. Mm So it's not that a lot of these things were approved with the intent of making harm or killing us or, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. At the time, the science showed that they were good. So what we need the USDA and FDA to constantly be doing is re-looking at the science Mm -hmm. and evolving with us and making sure that as new science comes up, they reevaluate certain products, pull certain products off the shelf. And again, to Matt's point, the fresher that we can buy, the closer to nature that we can buy, the less preservatives, the less additives, the less artificial sweeteners, the less sugars, all of that. Give us a healthier lifestyle. Give us a better body. Give us a better mind. Mindfulness is so important as we relate it to our food and the way we cook, the way we eat. You know, slow down. We created something a few months ago called Food Not Phones, which is an initiative that says, you know, when you're eating, whether you're by yourself or whether you're with family or friends, put down your phone. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I'm in a restaurant and I see two people, uh, typically a couple that aren't even talking to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, they're texting on their phones. Who knows? They could be texting to each other, um, which is sad. (laughs) I've seen Um, this before, though. Yes, exactly what you're talking about. You know, let's pay attention. You know, you're in a restaurant for an hour. Enjoy your food. Enjoy your each other. Enjoy your company. Put down the phone. 
Yeah. And also that can lead to overeating too. If you're not being conscious of the food that you're actually eating Absolutely. and you're mindlessly watching something and mindlessly eating, um, that can also not be, not be great for you either. And also you're missing, you know, precious moments with your family. So I probably, when I eat alone, I probably shouldn't sit in front of the TV just because it makes me feel like I'm eating with other people. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world to do, but we probably shouldn't. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. What is your favorite grocery store? And it could be national or local or both and why? So I have a lot of favorite grocery stores. We're talking to the supermarket guru here. I know. <laughs> the man, the know. man loves grocery stores. But inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> I visit between 10 and 15 stores a week. So I would say it depends on where you are in the country. Obviously, love Wegmans uh, for the oh, northeast yes. part of the country. In the center part of the country, I love Hy-Vee. It's oh. an employee-owned company. They've got about 400 stores. They really do a great job. Here on the West Coast, Erwan and, and Gelson's in Southern California, terrific. Aldi nationwide among my top picks all the time. Trader Joe's, great retailer, except for produce. I don't like Trader Joe's produce So many people all. say this, and yeah. I like their produce, but maybe uh, I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, you're doing it wrong, Molly. Okay. You and I have to go shopping. <laughs> you know, um, So it really depends on where you are in the country. Mm -hmm. So I don't have one. I have those that I listed, and probably there's another, you know, 10, uh, depending <laughs> on, on where you go. But, you know, wherever your supermarket is, Build a relationship with that supermarket. Get to know the store manager. Get to know, you know, the butcher and the baker. And I don't care if you're in the middle of the country in a dust bowl somewhere. You'll find a supermarket that does you proud mm. and gives you all the food and information you need. And you can have a joyous experience. I know people who go to Walmarts and have a great celebratory, you know, food experience every time. It's about you. It's not necessarily about the supermarket and how you shop and the foods that you choose and how you manifest them into a meal. Phil, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Molly yes. and I today. Before we go, um, how can people find out more about the supermarket guru, the work that you do, and if they want to get involved in what you're doing? Sure. It's easy. Supermarketguru.com. And feel free to always send me an email, what you like, what you don't like about supermarkets. Feel free to bash stores or feel free <laughs> to give them accolades, Phil, at supermarketguru.com. Thank you so much, Phil. We really appreciate it. And thank you. Both. Hopefully we will talk to you again soon in, in coming seasons. Would love to. And let's go shopping together. Yes, please. I need help. Clearly, I need lots of help. I'm really hoping Phil is serious about that offer to personally guide me through a future grocery store trip because I really need to rethink how I shop. But I also loved what Phil said about being more mindful when we eat, putting the phones down, turning the TV off, which is going to be hard for me, and just appreciating the food in front of you and connecting more with the flavors and textures on the plate. Here's what else I'm putting into my mental cart from this conversation with Phil. There's a huge advantage to going into a grocery store in person if you're able to do so. Aside from avoiding substitution mishaps and poor produce or meat selections that can occur with grocery delivery services, going into the supermarket can be an integral part of the human experience and how we maintain connections to others. It sounds simple, but after the last three years, even a simple greeting and small talk from the cashier can make a huge difference. 
In addition to taking careful stock of what's in your fridge and cupboards, use your previous receipts to flesh out your grocery list. It can also be helpful to consult your weekly calendar so that you know exactly how much you'll actually be eating at home to avoid wasting food. At the bottom of your grocery list, make three blank lines. This is where you can reward yourself with impulse purchases. Don't be fooled by the end of aisle displays. It does not mean that those products are on sale. If your schedule allows, the best time to go shopping is when the store isn't crowded and you have the time to commit to it. It's not only best for your stress levels, but it's also best for your budget because then you're not rushing through trying to get out as quickly as possible and potentially buying more than you actually need. Get a frequent shopper card for the stores that you visit and shop at most. They can help you take advantage of a lot of great deals. And make sure that you are never paying for coupons. Smaller, more frequent trips to the grocery store can help you be more mindful about what you actually need for upcoming meals. And it's really great to help avoid food waste. It's so important to read the ingredients list on the packaging. Know what you're buying and know what you're putting into your body. The closer you can get to fresh ingredients from the earth with the things you buy and eat, the better. Matt, I got to say, I've already started implementing some of the things that, you know, we talked about with Phil. Oh, wow. Yeah. So normally I will just buy copious amounts of kale, but then I find myself tearing off half of the bushel because it's like starting to kind of like turn like the yellowy color where it's like, that's not as great anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. And so, but the other day I was like, you know what? I'm going to have kale tonight. So I'm just going to buy one thing of kale mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and cook it tonight. Yeah. I was so freaking proud of myself, Matt. It tasted so fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Because even because you have the compost, so it's really easy to be like, oh, well, I'll just compost it. But yeah, you, you are wasting, wasting food money, in, in, in that you are not eating the food that yeah. you buy. It's been super, super helpful to think about like, what do I actually need? And even what you said about like plotting out how many times am I meeting friends out for dinner this mm-hmm. week? Mm-hmm. So in reality, what do I actually need for even in the next like five to seven days? But Matt, I can't believe this is our saison finale. <laughs> Have you had a favorite episode over the last 16? My favorite guest was definitely Jamie Page. Oh, Eaton. yes. Like, Jamie Page. Because, you, you know, and we, we've had a, one, a lot of wonderful guests on, but like Jamie could not stop spouting complete golden facts yeah. and truth. Like she was so yeah. incredibly knowledgeable. I also felt that way about Sarah Rathner, yeah. who you interviewed about yeah. credit cards. Like, oh, yeah. God, that was another one. Yeah. There's so much good stuff on the cutting room floor with that one, too. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, there's so much with w- retirement planning that I want to get into next yes. year too. Talking about things that have helped us a lot this year, like that that episode has been huge for me. Yeah, part of why I, each of us wanted to do the show is to like get into stuff that like we personally like want to, you know, I'm trying to, to grow up here, get people. a handle on it in, in our lives. And my wife and I have done that, and we've really we've seen a huge turnaround in just in our overall happiness. It's like the first time I feel like I might be able to retire and this could be okay. That's incredible. I'm in, I'm deeply, deeply jealous of you right now. And uh, because... We'll go been, back and listen to episode one, Molly. I know. No, honestly, that was such an eye-opening. That That is 100% going to write down, just like getting my financial stuff in order. Yeah. We should do a multi-part financial episode. One yeah. is like the overview of like what is what you should be doing, what is possible, and then to get into each of those steps and a little bit of specifics. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? You're going to all have to keep following us to hear about it next season. Mm-hmm. 
on Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult. And remember, you might not be graded in life, but it never hurts to do your homework. This is a production from Ruby Studios from iHeartMedia. Our executive producers are Molly Sosha. And the Matt Stillo. This episode was engineered by Matt Stillo. And written by Molly Sosha. With additional research by Nakia Swinton and Caspi Bias. This episode was edited by Sierra Spreen. We want to thank everyone at iHeart and Ruby Studio for letting us do this show and helping us make it, including Ethan Fixell, Rachel Swankrasnoff, Amber Smith, Deborah Garrett, and Andy Kelly. We also want to thank all of you for listening to this show. If you have been enjoying the show, please rate and review on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. We want to know what you think of the show and what you want to hear about and learn about for next season. And don't forget to follow or subscribe where you listen so that you don't miss any updates on season two. But until then, we love you all and thank you for going on this journey with us. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.